This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. We're glad you've joined us for another episode of the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here again with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and our Family Church CFO, Scott Crawford, giving you the business on church business. So it's good to be back to continue our conversation about the best practices when it comes to hiring staff members. But unfortunately, not every hire ends up being a good one. Right, Scott? Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And when it does, one of the worst things you can do is prolong the inevitable. That's why we call him Dr. No. Ooh, Dr. No. (laughs) So churches really fire people? Yeah, there really are times that when that really is the best course of action. But sometimes churches don't do it very well. As a church, we sometimes struggle with how forgiveness and grace play into personnel decisions. Wouldn't want to let that that No, of course not. (laughs) You know, in an effort to come across as not being too corporately minded. Mm -hmm. So we're going to unpack this in a little more detail as we keep talking. But Jimmy, you know, you've adopted a phrase that seems to have really good practical application in the church, even though at first glance, it may sound a little harsh to some of our listeners. Yeah, it's not original with me. I don't even know where I got it from. But around here, we do say we want to hire slow And then when we have to, we fire fast. Some of the worst hiring decisions have been made on a gut feeling without thoroughly vetting a candidate. And likewise, I've seen some situations where the wrong person was given chance after chance after chance to grow into a role that was never going to be the right fit. And I've really seen this because a lot of pastors feel like they have this intuition and they hire somebody on a first impression because they like them a lot or they think they look a certain way or they have a certain way of coming across and so they say, oh, man, this is the greatest guy in the world. We just really need to hire them. And they hire them too quick. And then when they get in the job, you realize they don't have the skills or they don't have the character or they really don't have the chemistry fit with the rest of the organization. And so hiring slow to me is really important. And then just letting the wrong person hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on is not good because when you're the leader and you allow a employee who's cancerous in terms of the chemistry or who's incompetent to just be a part of the team, it causes the rest of the team to work harder than they're supposed to. And then it causes them to doubt the competence or the commitment of the leader who actually holds the decision-making authority. Yeah. And these are really tough decisions that we have to make at times. I mean, it's it's kind of hard on both sides. Hiring slow is difficult because we often find ourselves having to make up for that unfilled position, um, but then coming to the you know, decision that we need to end somebody's employment is also very difficult. So how do we make this concept hire slow and fire fast work for us, Scott? Yeah. For those who've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, it's not going to be a surprise for them to hear that this is another situation where we really see the benefits of collaborative decision-making and having processes that work for us, not us working for processes. And the reality is, is based on our organizational structure, there are several people in our organization that Jimmy's granted the authority to terminate a staff member. But that's really just not how we operate around here. No, it's not how we operate on any level. And we've worked really hard to create an environment um, where there's very little unilateral decision-making taking place, especially in regard to hiring someone or uh, moving someone on. Although uh, as leaders in the church, we do have the authority and sometimes the responsibility to act alone. We just don't do that way as a matter of 
as a matter of course. But before we go down uh, too far down the path of firing people, Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the best practices we follow in our hiring process? Because if we get our hiring right, firing becomes extremely rare. And at Family Church, it is extremely Mm -hmm. rare. That's right. Well, Jimmy, you know, you mentioned earlier that our hire uh, slow, fire fast mantra isn't original or unique to us. And neither are some of the hiring practices that we follow here at Family Church. You know, we're constantly reviewing uh, what others are doing and and looking at that and trying to figure out how to contextualize it for our purposes. And so I think one of the best decisions we made here at Family Church was to build our entire hiring and onboarding process with input from staff members at every level of our organization, just to make sure that we've covered all the bases and had total buy-in on the process. You know, how you hire in many ways dictates who you hire. There's actually kind of a a reap what you sow principle in effect, even when it comes to hiring and firing. All right. Good way to bring in some preaching, Scott, as we talk about business, reaping what you sow. Good biblical principle there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) good job. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, there is overlap, you know, as we talked about. So for us, we spend a lot of time on the front end, first getting to know the person. You know, we want to know about their family, their education, you know, their hobbies, you know, before we ever get into determining the specific skills they possess. That's one of the reasons we like doing multiple interviews with multiple leaders. You know, everybody sees things from a little different perspective. So having multiple people involved in the process really strengthens your results. You know, so for us, the process, we start with a pretty strong pre-screening effort. So we're going to do the traditional application and resume. We're going to check references and vet other information they provide, like salary and employment. And we're going to administer a personality test and skills test based on the position and so on. But all of this is really designed to give us information about a candidate. But just as important as information is a process for evaluation, Uh, You know, this is where we're going to spend a lot of time trying to determine as a leadership team how an individual's calling and ministry passions may fit within our model. You know, Jimmy used the term chemistry. That's that's such a great word. So we're trying to answer questions like, are they the right kind of person? Do they do they bring in energy into the room or they drain the life out of it? You know, are they looking to be part of a high functioning team or do they really kind of prefer to do everything on their own? You know, how do they present themselves? How do they present their family? How do they represent former churches they've worked at? Those are all important questions. And if we can determine the answers to those types of questions, those really work for not only the immediate job opening that we're looking at, but they also lead to other opportunities that we're thinking of for the future. You know, for, so good. Yeah, for us, most often we're looking for people who have the potential to grow with us and are going to be with us for the long haul. So that means we aren't just hiring for specific skills or tangible traits. We're also hiring for how we think a person is going to impact our staff culture and then how we think they can help us achieve the mission that God's put in front of us to reach South Florida for Christ. Yeah. And I will say this, a couple of things is when we're doing our screening in our background checks and our onboarding, we really do look at more than just their skill set. There are a few positions in our organization where you have to have certain types of skills or credentials. So if you want to be a bookkeeper, you want to be in our accounting department or whatever, you're going to have to have specific skills in order to do that. If you want to, especially if you want to lead music or do anything with tech, you're probably going to have to have a background and some skills and some training in those areas that most of us don't have. But a lot of positions in church are really generic and a lot of the skills cross over. So if you're a great children's minister, you may also become a great youth pastor or may become a great senior pastor or a teaching pastor. There's all kinds of 
ways that people can move around in our organization because a lot of this has to do with chemistry and mission fit. And so we want to keep all of those doors open. I will say, Scott, one of my things that I do, especially when we hire people that I am personally involved in hiring, is I like I really like to meet their family. And so one of the things that I do, and because we have the resources to do it, is before we hire somebody, I go and travel to their home and have a meal in their home. And uh, I usually don't tell them why I'm doing it. I just invite myself for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I want to go sit down. I want to see how they interact in their own kind of uh, territory with uh, their spouse. I want to see how they interact with the children. If they have children, I want to see how they, how their, what their house looks like. Not because I'm trying to have a better homes and gardens, but I mean, look, I don't want to go over there and go, wow, we just hired a hoarder. I want to find <laughs> out are these people because they're going to, their home and their spouse and their children and their family, if they have all that, it's going to represent the church at some point when you bring them on. So you want to find out as much about them as you can. I think that's super important. Yeah. And what, what you said about gathering information on people. So, you know, there are certain kinds of information that we need, but then it also goes to like character and who mm-hmm. that person is. And I think, Jimmy, you also remind us often, it's not just what you do that we value, it's who you are. That's right. And so in our hiring practices, it's not just about what that person's going to do. It's really about who that person is. Yeah. And to so Scott's important. point about how our organization tends to grow and morph relatively quickly. And so we need someone who can grow and morph. So like we tell everybody, hey, the jobs that we have today are probably going to be vastly different 12 months from now or 24 months from now. And that's why I want to give you a job description. But the truth is, if you're the right kind of person, your job description is going to change as you change and as our organization changes. All right. So we're hiring slow. And then I think we're even hesitating to say the term. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. We hire slow and we fire fast. So what does that look like, Scott? Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. So, you know, this really goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, there there are some things that are kind of no-brainers, right? So moral failures, unethical criminal activities, these things are obvious to everyone and and pretty much everyone has, you know, an intuition on what to do and how to handle those situations. And it usually results in an immediate termination. The situations that are a little trickier for churches are the ones that relate to poor performance, uh, perceived lack of work ethic or a bad attitude. Um, as Jimmy said, somebody who just doesn't have the right fit or chemistry within the team. And so for those situations, we'd encourage churches to look at the situation through two lenses or two different filters. You know, is this an issue of a lack of technical ability? You know, are they just not meeting expectations? Are they falling short on goals and objectives? And if so, then maybe we need to dig a little deeper because maybe there was a lack of training. Maybe there's a lack of clarity. You know, maybe we didn't communicate expectations clearly or we didn't put them in writing. You know, in those instances, somewhere along the way, we probably failed as leaders and we really kind of owe it to them to give them opportunities to improve. You know, and that might be in the form of getting them training, assigning them to a mentor, uh, giving them uh, measurable goals. You know, firing someone in this situation would never be your first course of action. Instead, we'd much rather try to work together (laughs) to give them tools they need to be successful and then set reasonable timetable for improvement. And that's so important too, Scott, because there are just going to be times when people aren't meeting expectations of the job or of their boss or of their supervisor, but you're right. So we have to own some of that. So like, well, how do we ever put this person in that position then? If they literally don't have the skills, why didn't we figure that out? You know, if you want someone to type so many words a minute or be able to use Excel or whatever the program is, and then you get them in the job and they can't, why didn't we figure that out before? So 
then it's not fair to that person to just send them away. We put them in the position. Now we have to own, well, let's see if we can spin them up to speed. Likewise, uh, one of the things we often talk about with people when they say, hey, I think I need to make a change is we say, have you given this person a path to move forward with measurable steps where they can meet your expectations? Because if you haven't, it's really not fair for you just to say, oh, this person, you know, just write somebody off. And uh, I really like the way, Scott, that you've helped us in our HR department work on ways that we can give people uh, ways to improve measurable steps to move forward and that we hold ourselves accountable in our hiring process. We hire somebody who can't do the job. It's not their fault. That's ours. That's right. No, that's right. You know, unfortunately, there's the other side of the equation, right? So in in some instances, it's a it is a lack of clarity, a lack of training, or someone just needs some development. We all need development at some level. The other hand is is a little different because now we're not talking about uh, quality or clarity. We're talking about their inability to be a team player. Mm-hmm. They've got a poor work ethic. They're not able to get along with everybody else on the team. Those the tone and content of those conversations are going to be a little different. You know, in both instances, it's ultimately up to the individual to improve, though. You know, our job is to come alongside them, but the terms and the timetable are going to be really different depending on which situation it is. One key thought I think is important to make a note here is a person's posture. It really does matter. You know, there's a difference between someone who's open to receiving difficult feedback, who owns their mistakes, who otherwise helps build the unity of your staff. Versus someone who is generally difficult to work with, they're constantly trying to assign guilt to other parties, or they're detracting from the overall culture that you're trying to build at your church. And and it's not that it makes them bad people, it just makes them a bad fit for your organization. So once you've determined it's the latter, and that no matter what you do to help them be successful, it's just not going to work, then you really do owe it to them and yourself to help them find a different place to do ministry. Well, Scott, let me ask you this. Are there any best practices that may prevent us from being in a position to fire someone? Yeah, yeah, there are. And you know, here's a couple thoughts on some best practices to avoid having to fire someone over performance issues. First, have clear expectations and objectives and make sure they're directly tied to a job description. Second is we would say have regular communication. Talk about those areas where they fail to meet expectations. You know, offer to help them improve. And if appropriate, give them examples of acceptable or desired performance. You know, tell them, hey, look, if the problem is you're coming to to work late, uh, come to work five minutes early. Get your assignments done a day early. You know, actively participate in meetings. Model that for them if you have to. And that's so good, too, because, you know, we have these conversations all the time where somebody will say, hey, I've got an employee or we got somebody in our area and they're not measuring up. And we'll say, have you talked to them about where they're not measuring up? Oh, no, I haven't talked to them. Well, how are they? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, wow. So another way they're failing to meet your expectation is they're not clairvoyant. <laughs> so we've got to make sure that we're telling people clearly what we want. No, that's absolutely, absolutely right. That's also good for marriage counseling. Go ahead. <laughs> In addition to that, we would say have a reasonable time frame and measurable action steps for improvement. Once you've had the conversation and given them some examples, don't just let it go or not follow through. Go ahead and follow up. Set some set it's it's okay to set a timetable and say, hey, by this date or over the next 30 days or the next 90 days, I need to see some improvement. And I'm here to help, but but ultimately you need to do that. And and I like your idea of giving them specific examples because I you know, you know how I'm like this all the time. Somebody says, Well, hey, this always happens in our church. Could you give me an example of a time that it actually happened? 
Well, I can't really think of an example. Well, then obviously it doesn't always happen. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Okay, so like you've got to be able to tell somebody specifically, okay, last Thursday you were late, and then last week when we had that meeting you were late, and then this morning you were late. So there, there's three times you were late. So you're late. Yeah, that's especially helpful if you're talking about things like attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some, you know, it's easy to point out, hey, this was due Friday at 2 o'clock and I didn't receive it. That's objectionable. It's it's really easy. Uh, it's objective. It's really easy to figure out. Also, also objectionable. objectionable. Yeah, it is also objectionable. <laughs> objectionable. But the ones that are a little more difficult is is helping somebody understand, hey, when you responded to that person in that meeting, that really was inappropriate. It, it was too much or too far. Or, you know, the tone that you had was kind of accusatory. It's it's helpful to actually walk people through, especially on the ones that are a little a little more subjective in nature. Last thing we would say is uh, is make sure that you do that you have follow up. You provide frequent feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, let them know where they're improving. So if you give them these action steps and they actually improve, let them know they've shown improvement. You know, give them that positive reinforcement. And if not, then let them know, hey, we're still not where we need you to be. Uh, and that's a different conversation. Right. So we've done all this. I think these are great practices to put out there and very helpful. So we've done all this, but it didn't work. And now you've reached the point where you have to make the decision that you're going to actually have to get rid of someone. So how do you go about doing I that? Like how do we go about doing that? Get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> we put them in the back of a Cadillac. Yeah, concrete shoes. Right. That's right. That's I was right. avoiding the word fire, even oh though I used gosh. it earlier. <laughs> right. Well, for situations like this where you really have exhausted your resources and, and it's clear that it's time for a change, we've, we think there's a couple of steps you should follow. First, we think it's important to collaborate with either your personnel committee or your elders or your executive team, you know, whatever your organizational structure is within your church. Uh, If you have an HR department, certainly bring them in, Uh, as well as we've talked about before, you know, one of our key principles was lawyer up. So Mm. if you have the ability or have the privilege to have an attorney, then we, you know, you might want to consult them as well. Uh, We think scheduling the meeting and choosing a neutral location is a big deal. Don't bring them into your office, have them sit across the desk from you in a in that position and fire them that way. You know, meet in a conference room, meet in a neutral place where you can have a conversation. We think it's important to actually plan that conversation, you know, including any separation documents like severance packages or if you're going to offer COBRA coverage for them, you know, think that through, plan that through. Don't just show up and go go off the cuff, you know, actually plan and script yourself. We think it's important to have a witness present. You know, we think it's best if there's a neutral third party person uh, who's in the room as a witness to to verify how the um, session went and then stick to the script that you wrote, you know, give clear reasons citing any policies or previous conversations that you've had that led you to this point. So it's clear. Uh, don't deviate from that script. And then last, we think it's helpful to predetermine some of the logistical things like how to handle their personal items from their workspace. You know, how do you get the computer and their keys back? How do you cancel their network access, coordinating their final paycheck and even down to it's important to know how are they actually going to exit the building? Like what's the timing of all this and how is that going to be done in a way that's not going to be disruptive to the rest of your staff? You know, it's never easy and honestly it, it shouldn't be, but sometimes it is necessary. And in some case it really is the best thing for their own spiritual development to help them move on. All right, Scott. So we've got all this stuff going. This is never a fun conversation, but it is important. And you know, churches have a responsibility, a stewardship responsibility of the resources that we have, as well as the people that we're ministering to, to make sure that we do our best 
to have the best chemistry on our team, to have the best people that we can. And there are just times when changes uh, need to be made. And one of the things that we always want to do, uh, one of our pastors, Kevin Mahoney, always says, we're aiming for transition without injury. And I think that's a great phrase. And so we want to help people land on their feet. How can we be kind, compassionate, as generous as possible to them and to their families? And then how can we posture them so that they have an opportunity to get another job uh, quickly? And if there's a way, you know, unless it's a character deficiency or some kind of moral failure, we want to try to do everything we can in terms of appropriate recommendations, uh, using our network to help them get placed in another in another spot. Because oftentimes these are not just uh, employees; they're a church, they're church members, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know their kids, we know their spouses, so we want to make sure that even as we create a transition, we create a path of transition that is as encouraging as possible and gives them an opportunity to move forward. So we want to make sure that we do that. Hey, are there any resources that we can recommend to our church for the rest of us churches? And they say, hey, I got to fire somebody. I have no idea. I don't have all that stuff. I don't have HRs and lawyers and everything. What what do I do? Sure. There's actually a, a place called the Society for Human Resource Management. Some people may have, have seen this acronym, SHRM. They're a great resource. You can find them on the website uh, on um, just by Googling that. If you've certainly, if you've got HR professionals within your church, we'd encourage you to talk to them. Uh, they may have some ideas and some pointers on how you can can do that. If you do have the option to have an attorney, then you know certainly you want to consider them, especially if you're going to have some kind of a severance package where you're going to ask somebody to sign a legal document. And then last, uh, often you can talk to your payroll provider if you have one. Sometimes they actually have employee management tools that can assist you in the process. All right, Scott, that was awesome. I love these podcasts. And uh, let's walk through the keys that we've been going over in all these podcasts for our our, uh, business on church business. There are eight of them. Leslie, what's number one? Know your bylaws. Number two is lawyer up. Number three. Pay for an outside audit. Number four, set the senior pastor's compensation. Number five. Be prepared to manage risk. Scott, number six. Cash flow is king. Number seven, hire the best people you can afford. Number eight. Hire slow, fire fast. Next week, we'll be talking about creating feedback and accountability loops for people, including the senior pastor. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.